0: Hi, this is Camille Keaton of I Spit on Your Grave and you're listening to Without Your Head.
1: The station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neil, and I'm joined by Terry Zarky, the son of Meyer Zarky, who's the director of I Spit on Your Grave, and you've directed the uh, the documentary Growing Up, I Spit on Your Grave. And you're the child in I Spit on Your Grave, and it's gonna be very cool to talk with you. All the above, yes, all yes. the
0: above. You got a very cool background. Thank you. It's my I Spit Shrine. I like it. Yeah. I like it. It's. I kind of thought it was good for the scenario here, you know? Yeah. You get them the Halloween mood also.
1: That's true. And if people aren't familiar with the movie, the I Spit Shrine will sound very strange. Yes,
0: yes, yeah. yeah. And today we're, gonna, we're not going to talk the shit. We're going to talk the spit today, right? There you go.
1: There you go. All right. <laughs> it was really cool actually watching the documentary because uh, I didn't realize that your father hated the uh, the rename of the, I Spit
0: and the Grave. Grave. Yeah. Oh, the, the remake?
1: The rename, the rename. Oh, the, the rename. Yeah, I'll say the yeah. remake.
0: No. No, 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 <laughs> the no. Rename, yes, yes. He hated it. It's funny. He still doesn't like it till today. Mm-hmm. And my personal opinion is I, I couldn't imagine this movie without being that title. Right. You know, I understand his good intention of calling it Day of the Woman. There was every good intention with what he perceived his film to be. Um, but I spit in the grave. It's just. You don't. Forget you just hear that. the name and it, it it grabs you. It does grab you. Very yeah. It's like I, I
1: need to know what this is about.
0: Exactly. I spit on your what? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> what is going on here? All right. Right. So, so the 45th anniversary limited edition 4K ultra high definition three disc set is coming out October
0: 26. Yes, it is. Yeah. Mouthful. Ronan Flicks did an amazing job. They're a uh, curated you know, collector's uh, website. And they did a, such a tremendous job on uh, taking my father's negative of the movie, which I was actually really nervous about anybody taking the negative away from the yeah, laboratory. Yeah. You know? But, of course, you have to let things go and just trust, trust the system and uh, about a month later, I get the negative back or so. And, uh, and when I saw the results of what they did, I have never, ever seen the movie look so clean and pretty. It kind of takes the exploitation away from it, you know? Interesting. If there is an exploitation factor to it, it just it looks so pretty and clean like it could have been filmed last week. Mm-hmm. So oh. I'm very happy with what they did with, with the uh, final uh, upgrade.
1: That's an interesting point, because in some ways, that could possibly take away from certain movies.
0: Yeah, yeah, the, the dirty look. I mean, I've seen this movie many times on film. Mm-hmm. Hi, hi, Troy. The terrible one. How are we good. doing? All right, how you doing? Excellent. Thank you. Here. Great. We're talking about the, the cleansiness of what Ronan did to the new 4K uh, master of the seventy eight. And, you know, I've seen this movie many times on a film print where right. it's been viewed hundreds of times and there's scratches and there's just dirt. And, and you know, this movie really fits well with that type of a look. Yeah. And then to see That's it so true. clean, it's like, what is going on here? Yeah. Hey, hey. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. That's interesting because I know... Um... I went and saw a 35-millimeter uh, print of um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, that's great. Right. Very, very bad print, but it actually added to the feel of the movie. Of course it does. Oh, yeah. So, it, you know, but I, I assume the the cleanliness of it, it adds like a new contrast to the film because it looks pretty, but then, you know, awful things are happening.
0: It does. It It really looks really beautiful. And then to see all this beautiful nature and the greenery and the trees and the The Housatonic River and and Camille Keaton. And then the ugliness that suddenly appears. It's in in almost a 3D vision. It just really brings out the the clarity of the ugliness, you know, and it just comes more into your face. Uh, But I'm so, I've never, like I said, I've never seen a better look of the movie in my entire existence. So Ronan Flicks, great job. Yeah, and I love
1: now. these kind of releases because they're loaded with specials.
0: Yeah, they did a special also where they sent someone to do, to look at the old locations. And they have a beautiful uh, slip cover. I mean, they did such a great job with it. And they kept Mayer's commentary in there and Joe Bob Briggs' commentary. Oh, nice. You know? Yeah, I love it. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Because I'm a big fan of commentary tracks, and uh, for a lot of releases, it's becoming a thing of the past. And the multiple uh, uh, commentary tracks that's great for me.
0: It is. It is. Like, I love watching a movie first and then, yeah. you know, seeing, hearing what they're saying about the behind the scenes. It's, it just gets <laughs> you more involved with uh, the backbone of the production.
1: For movie people really familiar with, you know, and a lot of people probably seen it multiple times. Then you get to see all these extra, you know, bonus things. And then you'll get to hear the, the commentary tracks. It really adds another element. Right. It. it does.
0: It adds a lot. Yeah, yeah. sure does.
1: And I like the shirt, too, by the way.
0: Oh, thank you. This is the uh, Fright Rags came out with the 40th anniversary T-shirt. And this was the design that they came up with that my father approved. So, you know, we've got Camille with the knife, you know and uh yeah first time wearing it actually <laughs> all right. they all right. sent me a, a I preview like that i just, a lot. I'm like oh today's the appropriate day to wear it. Yeah, exactly. yeah. thank you
1: yep. yeah perfect so uh, 45th anniversary is the thing and uh i'm uh, i turned 45 this year so it's uh nice all time. right happy happy <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I want to know, what did you do with the $10 you made on the original
0: movie? <laughs> I probably bought some bazook bubble gum or something. Nice. I mean, you know, back in the days, there were, what, two cents a piece. Right. You so were doing well for a while. Yeah. I was. Yeah. Yeah. It was, a. I went out to Connecticut with my mom and my sister, having no idea that I was about to be in this movie. You know, it was just a day I was going to go out there and visit the set, you know, Mm -hmm. and, uh, and suddenly my sister comes up to me and we're going to be in the movie. And I'm like, Oh no, we're not. You know, (laughs) I'm not, you know, I was a scared, shy kid and it took a lot of convincing. And before I knew it, there were like people around me trying to convince me. And, and then someone said to me, Oh, your dad said, he'll give you 10 bucks to (laughs) be in the movie. And the crying went away and I thought about all the bazooka bubble got my ticket and, I did it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, Were you on set a lot for the movie? Because obviously it's not a movie uh, for a lot of the scenes they probably want kids around.
0: No, I I visited Connecticut a lot because my father, who was very good friends with Nuri Haviv, the cinematographer, uh, whose house that was. uh, I have been in that house many times. So we would go on weekends and visit and I would always be kept away from the set. I would never be allowed anywhere near the set because there was always nudity or something going on that a nine-year-old really should not be looking at, you know? Yeah.
1: So how I was kept old, away. How old were you when you first saw the movie?
0: I was probably really about 15. Um, I, I, I was in my father's office many times while he was editing the movie, and I would be in the other room playing with film cores, you know, those little things in the middle of the film reel. And I had stacks of them. I would make little buildings out of it. And just my imagination would go wild uh, uh, with film cores. And I would hear in the other room this brutal, like, screaming and cursing. And and I'm like, what What are they doing? What is going on in here? And then when I was about 15, one day I, I said to myself, you know, I'm old enough to, like, watch this movie. And honestly, I was really shocked and appalled at what my father had made. I didn't know what to make of it. I was really, like, shocked and appalled. And my father reminded me of something a few years back. He said to me, you know, Terry, one day you had an argument, and then you cursed me and said, fuck you. You're a sick man for making that movie. I said, oh, did I really do that? I don't remember me doing that, but my father reminded me that I said, you're a sick man for making this movie. Yeah. (laughs)
1: has your view of the movie as a movie? Has that changed over time? Like, oh, yeah, what you it's Still changed now. a lot.
0: It's, it's really um, a tragic subject. Uh, you know, sexual assault is not Halloween, where it's okay to murder people, and let's have fun with that. <laughs> You know, and you'll sit by your girlfriend and they'll cozy up and you want it to just be all like, oh, don't worry. It's OK. You know? But with this kind of a movie, it's not a date movie and there's nothing to be entertained by. It's brutal. It's ugly. Uh, I find it very truthful. It's hard to look at, uh, but you can't take your eyes away. Uh, so really, there's a lot to be said about this film that. It, it's not easily understood. And at first viewing, it's not easily understood. You know, that's why I look at this like there's so much more to this movie because after the screen credits roll, there's a discussion. And when there's a discussion, it's bigger than the movie itself because we're opening up a conversation about a topic that's rather not spoken about, and, and it happens a lot. So it's a brutal subject matter, and I kind of wish – My father had never witnessed and rescued this lady coming from the woods. I wish that they never happened. I wouldn't be here right now talking to you. I wouldn't have this shrine behind me. You know, it's so unfortunate that that happened, but it happens all the time. And my father got very angry about what he witnessed, the aftermath of rescuing this teenage girl from out of the woods, naked, bloodied and bruised. He brings her to the police station And there, again, they're raping her with the system. Why were you in the park at this time? Why would you take the shortcut? Why were you wearing that clothes? He got angry. And this is the results of his anger was bringing sweet revenge to this sort of a story. Mm -hmm. I
1: thought um, kind of what you're talking about there when you first watch it, you know, you thought it's an awful movie. And then, you know, as you get older, you know, you look at it differently. And I thought it was really interesting in your documentary that you talked to a lot of fans of the movies, because then you get you know why do the why why does it stick with people? Why do they like it? And uh, there was a couple of things in there that you know maybe other people might have cut out of the documentary because there were there were some, there was I remember there was specifically there was one guy who was saying he was in the theater watching it and there was a crowd like cheering on the, the rape scene, yeah, and you know so. There are some negative you know, aspects of the people who, who watch a movie. So Exactly. It was, you gave you know all the sides there. It's very honest. I have to
0: be fair and balanced. And uh, this movie has a lot of hate and it has a lot of love. Um, the pe- people either embrace it or they uh, are sickened by it, or both. Um, I'm both. I'm sickened by it, and I also embrace it. I, I really believe that the filmmaking, although it's attacked a lot because the subject matter is easy to attack, I really believe the filmmaking here is actually really hardcore great. Uh, And what I mean by that is the cinematography is actually beautiful. I believe it's really well-directed in a sense that it's so powerful, we're still here talking about it. You know, I've seen a lot of really shitty movies on uh, Netflix and Tubi (laughs) that I, I can't get through 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, and I want to. I, I desperately, I love movies, and I, I know how hard it is to make movies. And I want to love everything I watch. But some of these movies are really hard to get through. This movie's hard to get through because it's visually assaulting the viewer, you know. But in all in all retrospect, I mean, it's actually a very well done movie. But it's hard to see that. It's hard to see that with what's happening on the screen. Yeah. In my opinion. No, I, I, I
1: actually agree. And um, uh, former uh, co-host on the show, Annabelle, uh, when we had Camille Keaton on the first time, she talked about, you know, it was really hard for her to watch, you know, as a woman. Right. Um, you know, obviously you have having a different uh, look onto it. But what do you think it is about? Because, you know, it's 45 years ago, so all kinds of movies have come since. There's been more graphic movies. W- what is it about I Spin On Your Grade that gets not only people still watch it, but it gets a new audience?
0: You know, it's, it's a really good question. Uh, I, I've never really thought about what my answer would be, but I, off the top of my head, I think this. I think a lot of uh, sexual assault films uh, are very ex, uh, exploitative in a sense of, like, they're titillating you with the woman's body. And uh, in I Spit in Your Grave, although Camille Keaton is fully naked, I, there's no sense of titillation there it seems very real and frightening and ugly. And I think somehow Mayer achieved that, which is hard to do when you have a female naked on the screen. It's hard to look at a female and not think that, Oh, the director's only trying to show her body, mm-hmm. you know, take a look at her body. I, I, I look at Camille, I look at her bruised face and I just think, Oh my God, like, look at her, like the way she's walking and, So to me, he took away the exploitative nature of the female nude body in front of you, and he made it look realistic rather than titillating. And I think there was some achievement with that that gives it to me something that has shelf power, has staying power, and why other movies get forgotten about. I watched a couple of movies recently. I forgot the titles, but there was some rape in the movie, and it was very like titillating they were showing close-ups of the breast and and i'm like wait this is so wrong this is like this is not the way it should be so mm-hmm. maybe if that's the way i can answer it you know yeah and, and and
1: those kind of things it's almost like through the eyes of the rapist like why that you know and it's it's a like you said it's a this it makes you feel wrong watching something like that it like, does it does yeah and not that this movie makes it as necessary a feel good movie, but um, no. I would agree that it, it's you know dealt with in a. It's in not. Yeah. You know what I find
0: interesting is how the '78 film has Jennifer Hills bringing on her revenge with her body as a weapon. She's using her body as a subduction, and in the remake, Sarah Butler as Jennifer Hills uses these contraptions to give these people their almighty ending, you know, uh, mm-hmm. but she doesn't use her body. So I find that very interesting that there's different aspects to the modern Jennifer Hills and the original Jennifer Hills, you know, that's
1: mm-hmm. the, um, you said earlier, cause I, I said rename and you thought maybe I said your dad didn't like the remake, but, um, What did he think of the idea of remaking it even before he saw the movie? Like, who came yeah. in and said, like, we, we should remake this? And was he on board right away or did he take No, the- he
0: wasn't on board right away. He wanted to do the sequel for the longest time. And somehow the remake got into the discussion and uh, he somehow got convinced that, you know, this is the way to go. They've already remade other horror titles. Uh, and. That just gave him the uh, green light to say, let's just do this, you know. Then they did a part two and a part three. And at that point, they were talking about doing another installment. uh, And my father really wanted to do Deja Vu. So we held back and he went ahead and did Deja Vu instead. So that became the uh, fifth installment Mm -hmm. in the uh, franchise. I remember uh,
1: the first time we had Camille Keaton on; it was years ago, and she was talking about deja vu. And so we assumed it was coming mm-hmm. out like right. And it was. We had her a couple times after that, and she always talked about it. And I kept thinking in my head, I really thought like I don't think this movie's actually real. Like I think it. And then you know, <laughs> but,
0: but it seemed like such a long time in the making uh, before it actually was. It really was a real. long time in the making. We filmed it in 2015, and it was released in 2019. It mm-hmm. was a long time in the making. I, we, we filmed for 29 days. Uh, it wasn't a quick little 12-day, you know, fast thing. It was 29 days. And I was editing this movie for, I think it was um, 17 months or something. I wasn't side-by-side side with my father right. because we'd kill each other if we were. You know, <laughs> I mean, yeah. I love him and he loves me, but... Side by side with my father all day long, it was impossible. So I would edit from my home, right, right here in this little space here. I would edit right here, and every time I would finish a little whatever I had, I would Dropbox it to him, you mm-hmm. know, uh, hightail it to him, and then he'd give me his notes. I would do the changes. I sent it to him. He'd give me his notes, and that went back and forth thousands of times for seventeen or so months. Until I finally finished the movie, and then I saw, oh my god, this movie's two and a half hours long. What what happened?
1: <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I remember but, the first time I went to watch it, and I was like, oh, this seems like a very long runtime for it's a long
0: runtime. But that's yeah. how Mayor wanted it. That's how he wanted it. He got what he wanted. It's his. It's his baby. It's his. It's his platform. We were all there for him, the cast, the crew, every day on the set. I was there for him in post. Uh, Jan O'Connell, our line producer, was there with us every step of the way, including till this very day. Um, We had a great team with us throughout the whole way. Great team.
1: Were you on set a lot for Deja Vu?
0: I was. I produced it. I was there every second of every single scene. Possibly the first one there and not the last to leave, but almost the last to leave every day. So So I just
1: wondered, you said side by side with your dad wouldn't work out for editing. What was it like, you know, on set uh, when you're filming it?
0: You know, look, I mean, we we all have our little moments, but all in all, it was very respectful. Um, We we trusted that mayor knew what his vision was, what he wants to get out of the performers and out of the days. Uh, Every location was handpicked by mayor. Um, every costume, every prop, we would go to the prop house with me and Jan and uh, Mayor, who would pick the props. I've got this little, little sickle back here. This is the sickle that uh, Jamie used, but this is not the one she used in the movie. This is the one she used for the poster. So, oh, yeah, okay. I'd like to I'd keep this right here. You know? And uh, But, yeah, he was there. Mayor was there every step of the way for Every aspect of Deja Vu.
1: Oh, by the way, Jamie Bernadette, uh, multiple-time guest on the show, too, and she's great in uh, Deja Vu.
0: Jamie Bernadette is incredible. Maria Olsen is oh, yeah. we a love powerhouse Maria in her own right. Uh, she, she sent an audition in, and uh, I, it, it literally blew me away. It was a, a self-taped audition. It blew me away. And I got my wife, and I go, Julie, you check this out. What do you think of her as Becky? And my wife's like, Oh my god! You know, so everybody had this reaction. And then when Maria came in uh, to do auditioning in in person, I, I knew we all knew right away she was Becky. Yeah. And uh, Jamie Bernadette just kills it. You know, she kills it. You know, yeah. Camille Keaton. Um, and everybody, Jim Jim Tavarius, Herman, you know, Jonathan Peacey as Kevin, Jeremy Ferdinand, Scotty, and Roy Allen, Alexandra Kenworthy, Hobie farster they all really came together and created this loony bin of a family society in this small town, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. And Marie Olsen, uh, she adds a lot of uh, sympathy to the character, because it could be just a totally, you know, very mean, which she is, but, you know, in the movie... Uh, yeah. Character, but there's also you also understand why she's doing what she's doing.
0: Yes, exactly. She's almost like the male version of Johnny. You know, she. You know, she took on. well, I got the, the cap here. This Don't is uh, the cap. Yeah. <laughs> and this is the exact same cap, but not not the same physical one. But this it is detect- the type of cap that Johnny wore. So. Maria Olsen is wearing the Johnny cap and -hmm. she takes on, she's almost like the, you know, she is the ringleader of the group, you know, basically. I found that really fascinating that that mayor did that. And it
1: really goes into the idea of you know this being a cycle. Yes, yes. Violence, you know, even if it's warranted violence, it still, you know, brings about more violence.
0: Exactly. It's a never ending. I mean, that, that's what revenge is, right? It's never mm-hmm. ending. Yeah. The last person killed. There's people that love that last person and they're going to go and get their little get back and so on and so forth. So it's kind of like, it just doesn't end.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, you mentioned Johnny is interesting in your documentary. Um, Iran, I believe his name. Yeah. Iran, yeah. That uh, he, he quit acting after I spit on. Yes, life. he did. And he's, he he's real. Oh, uh, you're watching the movie. again. I've seen it, you know, but watching it for the interview, um, like he's really good in that movie. He's, you know, he, really again, he, adds, he adds a lot to the characters. Interesting. Him talking about adding his own backstory, um, which gives, you know, the a little bit more, you know, you just look at the character a different way. And I a agree. lot I think a lot of, uh, his performance where he's not even talking. I think he's really good. Just his, uh, exactly.
0: His he really did nail it in his performance. And, um, I was, I was very intrigued to see how Gunter Kleeman at the end of my documentary. I don't know if this is a spoiler or not, but, (laughs) but anyway, um, how he says he embraces it and that he can take it to his grave, that he was part of a cult classic. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, Aaron Tabor, AKA Ron Shetler, he, um, he said he would never want to revisit this movie again. And, To me, I was shocked to hear that, but it was very intriguing because that's how powerful this film is. Film is just celluloid. You know, film, you know, what's powerful about it is the story and what the director does with his vision that he achieves in the end, you know. And so it was that powerful that he didn't want to even revisit it. I was like, wow, that that says a lot. Yeah. That says a lot. Mm
1: -hmm. And it was good that he did the interview because, you know, obviously the movie affected him and he doesn't look on it necessarily, you know, in a good light if he doesn't want to revisit. it. But I I respect that he did the interview and talked about it. Me
0: too. Me too. Originally, I was going to call my documentary because I I was going to just film my father and just, you know, make a thing about him. I was Mm -hmm. calling it I Spit on Your Grave, the man and madness behind it all. And then after about a year of me, like playing around, editing, I said, I got to get Camille Keaton. Then Camille came on board. And then I said, I got to try to get the other actor. And before you know it, I have how many talking heads in the movie. I've got a lot of people uh, talking, you know, including fans. I thought the fans were very important. I
1: thought that was a really cool uh, uh, aspect of it, especially for this movie because it is interesting. Like, uh, because a lot of non-horror fans anyway will think you're you're weird if you like horror movies. I, You know, I've come into that. And then this right. movie specifically, it does ask, like, you know, what are the people like who like this movie?
0: Exactly.
1: If you go back, like, to the Ebert and Siskel and Ebert review, they're say, they basically say that, like, almost like, they're almost saying, like, would-be rapists are the people who are watching this movie.
0: I know, I know. I really believe Ebert and Siskel uh, experienced this movie through the eyes of the rather rude, disruptive audience that they were sitting with. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think that if, maybe even if they had seen this movie alone in a room, they might've still been offended, but I believe the comments from the audience members, you know, while the girl was getting raped saying, get her, do it again. And all this nasty stuff, it, it really put a bad taste in their mouth. And, you know, But they're a big part of the history of this film because they literally went and picketed in front of theaters and they were powerful enough to get the movie kicked off the screen by the theater owners. Yeah, it's, you know, back then, the not so now it's different. I was going
1: to say, like, critics aren't necessarily powerful today, but I do think word of mouth, it can help a movie, you know. It does. Yes. But back then, those two critics had a lot of
0: power back then
1: for good and bad, because I grew up watching Cisco and I watched it every week, and I heard of a lot of movies that I might not have ever seen otherwise. Exactly. They didn't get ads, but I, I was always a horror fan, and they would get almost comical to me how upset they would get at some horror movies. Um, yeah, I remember like um, Friday the 13th Part 4, which is really kind of a silly horror movie, and they got really upset. They were like, kids are going to watch this, and they're going to think this is what life is all about. And I'm thinking... No one's gonna watch, you know, Friday Thirteenth Part Four, and think this is like real life. That right gonna come, you know, because it's not. That's not a realistic. Where Ice from Your Grave is a more. That's a realistic movie. Where uh, Jason movie isn't. You know.
0: Right. Exactly. And that's why in the UK they had the whole video nasty ban because they thought people were gonna, you know, commit these, you know, atrocious crimes from the movies that they were watching. Mm-hmm. You know. And they still have censorship issues in the UK, which I'm surprised about. We still have about two minutes plus cut out of the 78 movie in the UK in 2021. I mean, yeah,
1: I think Germany is really bad because we have uh, some listeners in Germany and Vera, one of our, uh, she has to go to Austria, I think, to get like the uncut versions of or
0: maybe even just movies at all. Our movies in Germany, I I don't know if it's uncut there or not. You know, I'm not sure about that. Um, But yeah, but there's still censorship issues going on in certain places. We're lucky here in America not to have that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Also interesting about Sisko Niebert. um, Some friends with Mark Scheffler from uh, Last House on the Left, and he always credits them. Really, I think Ebert especially really putting the movie over, like giving it a great review. And then people went to see it. And it's interesting because it's a very similar subject matter. And one he puts, he says is a great movie.
0: And the other one he like condemns as possibly the worst movie ever made. Exactly. Exactly. As my father said in the documentary, it, it just brought more attention to the great. title because people wanted to see what they were referring to. You Know and the as you saw on the doc, they campaigned it even on Oprah. They went on Oprah. I mean, they literally everywhere they could open their mouth about the worst movie ever made, they would say, I spit in the grave. Yeah, and I, and I would always say, Wow, these guys don't they realize they're just promoting the movie? I mean, oh, yeah, I remember as a kid when they would
1: say that kind of stuff. About uh, I remember um, uh, the Christmas movie, they were really against um. What's the true? The poster art is uh,
0: Santa Claus. Santa, yeah, I remember. The, yeah, I know what you're talking about. With the about. axe oh, coming out, I yeah. got a lot of bad feedback. Yeah. yeah, Silent Night, Deadly Night. But I mean, that right. made me that made me as a kid want to watch the movie because oh, yeah. like, you know, exactly. I would like exactly. And now the whole thing with Halloween Kills and and the scene about the firemen getting yeah. killed. I mean, all that does <laughs> is it's bringing more bank to the producers. You know, I mean, when you start talking about that, people want to go see it. And now they're bringing more attention to this movie because of this uh, whatever is going on there. But look, you know, people have the right to get angry over anything and say what they want. And whatever happens, happens.
1: Yeah. So uh, you called the documentary growing up, growing up with I Spit on Your Grave. So how big of a part of that just being, you know, your father making that movie? How much did that affect you as a kid? Like, did other other kids know he made it? Did that? Yeah. Did it? Yeah.
0: Um, it, it didn't I it didn't really affect me in any other way other than from time to time. You know, some people knew, heard about the movie and they heard terrible things about it. And but they didn't see it. So they would be like, oh, your father made that movie. Right. And, you know, um, but then later in life, in my 20s, it started getting a little bit more like, oh, your father made that movie. You know, so it went from, like, a disgust to, like, an impress, you know, and, um, and, and some in between also. Um, till this day, I get, you know, mostly it's good feedback, but, you know, I, I had a good friend that I showed this movie to uh, three years ago, and he told me he was completely shocked and disgusted by it. He, he was, said he wanted to vomit. I said, well, that's exactly what the mayor was trying to make you do, is to see how ugly Rape is, you know, to see how ugly it is. So I still get I, interesting feedback. My
1: personal opinion on a movie or art of any kind is if it evokes an emotion, even if it's a negative emotion, it's, you know, it's doing its job.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's what it's supposed to do. Yeah.
1: Not, not everything I think is, should be, you know, happy. and Because exactly. ha- not everything in life is happy.
0: Exactly. Especially a subject like this. So, yeah. What are you going to expect? Right. And it's it would not be very tamed strange down. You,
1: uh, Yeah. It would yeah. be more strange, I think, if it was a happy movie, you know?
0: Right. And it's not tamed down Hollywood style where a right. woman's getting raped and you see her hand holding a curtain and the curtain snaps off, and then we cut to black. No, he's showing you one scene and you think it's done, and then it's a second, and you think it's done, and then it, it just doesn't end. So, you know, by that time you just you just feel emotionally Uh, Depleted, and by the time the revenge comes into place, you really, you really do root for her. You know. Oh yeah. You really do root for her.
1: -hmm. It's a good, uh, good uh, uh, character arc for her because, well, really, she's a strong uh, character even at the beginning of the movie. But you know, she is a strong character. Yes. Uh, A.J. in the chat, he says uh, he really actually liked the remake. He obviously thinks the original is the best, but uh, he also really liked the remake as well.
0: Great. Awesome. I like the remake, too. I thought they did a great job with it. Um, I did question why they didn't have Jennifer Hills seduce. You know, that was like my main, I was like, well, that, you know, that was a big deal in the original that she used her body to seduce these scumbags, you know, mm-hmm. into their trap. Um, but there was different kind of traps here. So it all worked out. Yeah. And it's good that it's a little different. You know, they added the sheriff um, and they modernized it with the whole cell phone falling into the toilet and et cetera. Et cetera. You always have
1: to, in modern movies, you always have to find a way to get rid of the, get rid of the cell phones. Yes, exactly. Exactly. I do like it better in movies when you didn't have to worry so much about a cell phone. Cause it, that's right.
0: It's either if they don't show with the them, you're,
1: you're sitting there thinking, well, why don't someone just call on their cell phone? You know? Right. But that's a really powerful scene. The original I spit in her grave when she's calling and, and the guy comes in and kicks the phone because you really feel like. Yeah, it is. You know, he's about to, to get help. And then, no,
0: it is. That's definitely a a, a jump scare. You know, that's definitely a like, whoa. You know.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, and it was also really cool in the doctor, it was really nice actually. Uh, a touching moment when your father calls uh, Nuri on the phone and then yeah. they talk for the first time in, in 20 years, I think it's so. a
0: Yes, exactly. You can tell that they were like almost like blood brothers by the way they were, you know, recommunicating and reconnecting. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So um people might people probably know this, they might not, but uh, your dad was married for a few years to Camille yeah for a couple of years yeah um so what was your relationship like with Camille? Did you consider it was she like your mom at
0: any point? she was my stepmom She became my stepmom. She was really, really good to me uh I, as I said in my documentary, I enjoyed showing her off to my friends you know um she she was just a, really a lot of fun you know i never i never i don't have one bad thing to say about camille. In, any way whatsoever. She always let me be who I am and she cared for me. She was there for me. Uh, so, and I just spoke to her this morning, you know, and, um, so we're, we're constantly in touch. Uh, so I, I love Camille. I adore her.
1: Yeah, she's always been really nice uh, to me. Uh, you know, I'm not like close friends with her, but I've talked to her on the phone off the air and, just a very, she's always uh, very fun too. I think just a fun. She person. is. She is. She's
0: got that Southern bell kind of thing going on, you know, yeah.
1: and she's uh, a little quirky, but in a, in a good yeah, way, in a good
0: way though. In a good yeah. way. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. So are, um, are you, um, well, obviously you have the, the, the ultra ultra high def coming out, but are you working on any other projects? Yeah,
0: I am. Um, I'm. I'm. You know, there's gonna be more spit to come. There will be more spit to come. But I've got another movie that's going to be coming out on streaming soon that I actually directed. This is the other way around. My father directed Deja Vu and I produced it. Mm -hmm. Well, I directed Holy Hollywood in 1998. My father produced it, and along with uh, another producer, Jeff Olin, and uh, we had some distribution problems back in those days. It was hard to get distribution. So the movie ended up going in a closet. And so recently I reestablished, reconnected with my uh, partner, Jeff Olin, and we decided, let's get this out there. So right after July 4th, I got the master made into digital and I did a re-edit. I took out 12 minutes. So I've got a new uh, cut on it. It's going to come out very soon in streaming. And uh, Camille has got a little cameo in it. All right. Um, Mickey Rooney plays the grandfather. Oh, awesome. <laughs> and That's wild. Uh, Tony Tarantino is one of the leads in it. He's Quentin's father. So we got a lot of quirky little things going on in this movie that I, when I saw it for the first time a few months ago, I was like, hey, what am I? why is this movie sitting <laughs> in my closet? I got to get this out of here, you know, into the world. So look out for Holy Hollywood. Oh, very cool. I'm oh, yeah, i look forward.
2: forward to that one. Yeah. yeah thank you. Thank
0: when you. it's when it's you're streaming somewhere, let us know, and we'll. I will. I'll it. definitely send you a link. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we're we'll do. doing that through uh, Film Hub, and so far Film Hub has been really good. Um, so yeah. Um, it's really cool.
1: Uh, I mean, I personally love to go see the movies in the theater when possible, but it's also nice that there the rise of streaming. Because there's so many different platforms for uh, cool older stuff, independent stuff, international stuff, just so much more stuff than, you know, you could have seen you back in the day.
0: Exactly. Exactly. You know, so things have changed so much with uh, distribution that now we have the power to control it with our fingertips uh, as independent filmmakers, you know, there's options. And so, with that, you know, Holy Hollywood will get out there and it will be seen, and I'm very happy about that.
1: Yeah, uh, but you, who'd you say put that shirt out? Just wonder where people could get this. Was
0: it. through Fright Rags. Fright, fright Rags, yeah, yeah. I don't know if they discontinued it. I'm not sure. Yeah, but, I think uh, I
1: think most of their shirts are limited. Which, yeah, it, it was cool. limited. Yeah,
0: it was a lot limited. of them.
1: Sometimes I look them up on eBay, and uh, they're they're very expensive. But uh, yeah,
0: exactly. I know. Yeah,
1: people people collect uh, the collect old shirts, which is interesting. They sure do. I know. Yeah, they did
0: this one. They also did the regular style with the poster, which every shirt is anyway. But I thought this was a little bit different. You know, I thought it was kind of like cool. You know, Camille's holding the knife. It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: The first time I ever met Camille was at it was at a Mad Monster convention, and my booth was across the aisle from her, and we talked a little bit. And I remember a fan came up. And he had a full back tattoo of I spit on your grave and kind of like your movie of like, I'm not really sure what to think about this. Like, it's cool. They
0: really likes the movie, but I don't, it's a weird movie to have like a full back tattoo of. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Someone sent me a picture of that. I think on his ankle, he had like a tattoo of the poster. And um, I was like also fascinated that. You know, and I'm not I, saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. I just No, know it's no, no. You know, to me, it shows that they're just a fan of the film. And, and in the end, it is a movie. You know, like, to me, I, right. I like to celebrate the filmmaking aspects of what my father's movie is and mm-hmm. what uh, this little movie became today with uh, uh, being a franchise and T-shirts and whatever. You know, it's like that to me is celebrating the filmmaking aspects of it. Um, but you know, when you talk about the hardcore subject, it's a whole different right. story, you know,
1: now a lot the documentary about, you know, the troubles getting it distributed, the original, I speak. Oh yeah. And you
0: know,
1: do you remember that time? Like, uh, were you old enough to, to realize no. like, you know, they're having a lot of trouble here
0: trying to get, no. this, you know? I knew nothing. I knew nothing. You know, I didn't, you know, I went to the, I went to Florida with my father and Camille when they went to the Miami film festival. At the Miami Film Festival, that's where a rep from Jerry Gross organization saw the movie and came up to Mayer and Camille and said, we want your movie. And at that time, it was called Day of the Woman. Well, I went to Florida. I stayed with some friends or something while they were at the festival. Um, I had no idea about anything that just happened, you know, behind my back over there at the festival. And sure enough, Jerry Gross did pick up the movie under the condition that he can change the title and change the campaign, which you know he did, and then he hires a young Demi Moore, takes her to Griffith Park, pays her a little cash, and there she is on the cover. Which she finally admitted in her 2019 memoir, finally it came out from her camp, finally. After me showing all that proof of my documentary, which is Uh so painstakingly hard for me to have done, you know, that little segment showing to prove that it was Demi more on the cover. Yeah. It was so painstakingly hard for me to, like, just come up with that. And I was like, yes, I proved it's Demi. And then a few months later, her book comes out. And I was like, okay, <laughs> good. Good. <True.
1: laughs> it was funny because for, for uh, it might have been from the document. I remember for a few years, it was the rumor. It was a it big kind of rumor. Up, yeah, it popped up, uh, you know, just on the internet out of the blue. And then, uh, you know. Nobody then, believed uh, it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And then I asked my father, I asked my father many, many years ago, is that, is that to me more? And he goes, yes, it is. I said, how do you know? He goes, I, I I know, I'm just telling you it is. I'm like, but how do you know? He's like, Terry, I know it is. And then I forgot the story he told me. And then by the time I made my documentary, I found out about that other guy, you know, the whole coincidence with the guy asking for my father's autograph and, which is in my doc, but, uh, it was really fascinating that it really is her. It just brought more intrigue to this little film that everyone's trying to bury, at least back then. You know? right. Yeah. strange. Just strange. Yeah. Have you done a lot of uh, conventions? I've never done a convention. Oh, really? Interesting. Never. I've never done a convention. Yeah. You know? Your, I, think, I know your father doesn't do a lot of like interviews, but has he no. done any of the conventions? He doesn't. No, he was invited to a convention. I don't know. And then we're gonna pay him XYZ amount of thousands of dollars and what yeah. and he's like, Terry, you go instead. I said, <laughs> I said, they don't want me. I said they don't want me, they want you. He goes, No, he goes, I not I said everything I wanted to say, I've already said, you know, and so and then even after my documentary, I've had people contact me. Oh, would your father be willing to be in my documentary? And I do ask him every time, and he's just like. Terry, I've said everything I wanted to say in your documentary. So, (laughs) Well, that's good. You've got an
1: exclusive. I got the exclusive, yeah. Yeah. which I'm glad that he gave you. It would be bad if he gave someone else the exclusive, and then he was like, no, I'm not going to do your documentary. Yes,
0: yes, yes. (laughs) I'm so glad I was able to do it because I really believe I gave a really personal point of view uh, and that nobody could have told the story the way I told it. Like, I always had the story in my head, like whenever people ask me, oh, tell me about your father's, you know, success with, I spit in the grape hat, you know, so I had this whole story in my head, but the beautiful thing about my doc is that I somehow found other people to tell my story in their own words, you know, mm-hmm. and it was just beautiful seeing a whole line of amazing, talented, incredible people speaking about the story that was literally in my head that I've read about, that I've heard about. And then there it is all in one 100-minute, you know, run. And uh, so I was so pleased and honored that everybody that got involved, what they said, including BJ Colangello, you know, I mean, boy, has she been through a lot. And she was very honest about what had happened to her as a teenager and how I Spoon the Grave actually helped her. I was shocked to, see, to hear something like that. Uh, and Camille tells me a lot of times that at conventions, women come up to her and say that I Spoon in the Grave helped me so much. And I, I'm amazed by that. I never expected to hear anything like that. Yeah. No, that's good. I know I,
1: I spent a little bit earlier talking about some of the, the negative aspects, but it, uh, horror in general, there's a, uh, for the most part, I always see very positive uh, uh, fans. They're very accepting of other fans, and it's just a positive experience exactly
0: exactly um are you a horror movie fan i I am you know i I saw texas chainsaw massacre a few days ago for the first time in oh really oh ten years yeah and my father took me to see that movie when i was 15. it was Mm -hmm. playing at some theater he had a office on broadway and 47th There was a theater next door he goes terry i heard a lot about this movie let's go look at it so we went together i was 15 we're watching texas chainsaw I came out of the movie like, wow, this was great. And my father loved it. Well, I just recently revisited it. And you know what? What an incredible ahead of its time film in so many ways. And the last five or 10 minutes in that scene with him outside with the yeah. chainsaw, I mean, how powerful is that? So I, I was blown away by it. Uh, you know, I love that movie.
1: And the last few minutes there, it's really like the descent to madness with Marilyn Burns and, Yes. Uh, when people talk about scream queens, I don't, I don't think oh. it's hard to top. You know, the, that's right. hard to top
0: her. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, Camille did a good one at the Rock. Camille, yeah. Camille did a big scream oh, at the Rock. I have to say that. Yeah. But Along yeah, those, that Texas Chainsaw does have a <laughs> oh yeah high up there scream.
1: Along those lines, you think Camille, in a lot of ways, is like the the first, like the prototype of the final girl, because not only is she the final girl, but she's also the one that that she gets revenge at the end.
0: Exactly. Where sometimes exactly. it might be the survivor,
1: but they're just the survivor. They're not necessarily, you know, uh, killing. You know, the 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 villain in the movie, but Camille does. So yeah, yes. like almost the
0: prototypical final girl. Just like you know Carol Clover in her Men, Women, and Chainsaws book. You know, she has a very beautiful section on I spit in the grave and expressing her uh, feelings about it and stating about the final girl. You know. Uh, But Camille is definitely a final girl. She was the only victim, but she became a survivor, you know, Mm -hmm. and she is and is a so she's a survivor, basically. It's what she is, you know.
1: Yeah. Until déjà vu, but I will not give anything away. People- yes, yes, so. yes, I know,
0: I know. <laughs> I'm not responsible for that. Okay, right. I just produced it and edited it. That's. It. I, and would I also say- reprised my role as my me, and my oh, sister Tammy. Tammy. Uh-huh. We reprise our roles, but the funny thing is, I had better coverage in the '78 film. This, <laughs> you know, and you know, it's funny. That particular did you get paid day, the same ten dollars, no, no I, I don't know if I got. Any, I think I got a little something, but anyway, but anyway, um, that particular day, we had filmed not just the far shot that you see at the end of the movie of me and my sister scene. We did close ups, turnarounds, this angle, that angle, all over the place. We shot for eight or nine hours. Me, and my sister. And I was nervous in the beginning, but by the end of the day, I was getting the hang of it, all these takes, you know. By the end of the day, I was really bummed out that it was over. I was like, hey, I got the acting bug. This is really cool. I've never – and I'm always, like, either behind the camera or editing. So I really enjoyed that. But the funny thing is, my father – I had a whole scene that I edited that was all close-ups of me and my sister. And then he said he came back, it was Terry – let's try one shot from way, you know, I'm like, ah, okay, here we go. You know? <laughs> that was the end of that, you know? Uh-huh. So have,
1: have you uh, done any other acting for other people or? No, I have not. No,
0: no. In Holy Hollywood, I'm at the very end of the closing credits, a little funny little thing. If yeah. you wait around for the credits, you'll see me. But nowadays, a lot of people just, they zip away, but if you have patience, I'm actually <laughs> appearing at the closing credits as a young 31 year old. That was yeah. back in 98, you know, so
1: <laughs> how did you well, get no, into, no acting for me? All
0: right.
1: no. How did you get into editing? Was that something you picked up um, from your father or? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Which by the way, um, I edited Holy Hollywood on a 16 millimeter steam Okay. It took me nine months. I edited it by hand on a steam what a pain in the ass. But that's all I knew. Okay. Yeah. So growing up in my father's office, he had a couple of 35 millimeter steam backs, And I would just take old film prints and I would just have fun. And I was so fast. I was like able to load up that back in like five seconds. And I, I, I knew the whole thing inside and out. So I was editing from a child on film. And then, of course, I started editing digitally and thank goodness for digital editing thank goodness you know i don't miss film editing but i will say there's something about touching film something about film in itself and shooting film deciding what film stock to use for exterior night or interior day and there's different looks and you know now to manipulate that with digital it's it's still challenging but there's something about film that i'm so glad that i had the experience to have a hands-on You know, I really feel like I'm part of the old school crowd that a lot of millennials don't have any idea about film, you Mm, know, and it's easy for anybody to make a movie nowadays. You have a camera, call yourself a director. And Mm -hmm. God bless that because we have more, you know, movies coming out and some of them are good. A lot aren't, you know, but Mm -hmm. at least we're getting more content. And back then you had to be sort of a filmmaker. You had to know the technique of film it wasn't just easy to go make a movie you had to know people that knew how to be a production manager or how to light how to do sound now craigslist it you'll find people you know
1: (laughs) (laughs) do you think that background in actual film also helps in the digital editing like you kind of you know well the digital editing you might just hit buttons But you kind of know what they're doing because you have the background in the. uh...
0: You know, it's it's something about film. I always looked at every time that I was cutting a frame in film and then cutting the piece out, putting it on my little bin and then reconstituting it and then watching my cut. That takes about a minute. You know, it's about a minute. You know, once you're fast at it, maybe 35 seconds, that gives you time to think about your next cut. So I always looked at that little time that I'm splicing and, you know, that to me was my downtime for my brain to think about my next cut. Now with digital, everything is like, it's so fast that your brain has to work as fast as your fingers, you know? So, you know, not to say that you can't do without the old school technique, but I'm so glad that I had that. I'm so glad because I was one of the last people you know, I mean, in '98, I edited on a steam back. That's kind of rare, you know. So I'm glad I have that in me because it was yeah. it was quite a it was an interesting process, you know. Yeah. Slow, so, tedious process. Mm-hmm. So it's last year,
1: obviously, a different year for everybody. Um, mm-hmm. oh, I I hope you and uh, your dad and your family uh, stayed safe and uh yes, did, thank you. You're very welcome. You and, too. I hope you're safe with you. Yeah, everything's good, Troy and I and our good. mom. But um, We'll get did, past that put, this. did that put anything in the back burner or did that
0: affect anything you guys were working on? No, really, it didn't. Um, in my point of view, it, it gave more people an opportunity to see the movies because there were a lot of shutdowns. Yeah. And so I, I looked at it like the timing was really lucky. Uh, the movies got released in 2019 in April. You know, my documentary, Deja Vu, and The 78, it all came out at the same time again. And uh, it was a year before the pandemic. So I I was really grateful that I had gotten all that done with and that people were pretty much around to see these movies more than not. So the timing was okay, actually. Although I wish it had never existed. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Of course, yes, we yes. all we all do. So, um, where can people go to uh, to follow? You know what's going on in the world of spits.
0: Yeah. Okay. So I could be followed on Instagram, Terry Zarki. Uh, Twitter, it's Zarki Terry. Um, uh, we have a website, I Spit on Your Grave Movies YouTube channel, I Spit on Your Grave Movies. You can see trailers of all the films, including Holy Hollywood, on I Spit on Your Grave Movies' website. Uh, subscribe, like, all the above, follow, you know, and uh, we'll always announce new things coming up. I'll put links to Holy Hollywood as soon as I get a, a platform. And uh, I, I appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to me. It's been
2: fun. Yeah, we appreciate you, know?
0: you coming on the
1: show.
2: Oh yeah! Very fun to talk. Thank you so I, much.
1: Yeah, we're gonna do it
0: again when uh, Holy Hollywood
1: is is. is I, I would love that.
2: Yeah. I would love that.
0: We have yeah. another character in Holy Hollywood called Candy Warhol, played by D. Danny Warhol, aka Dan Sutkowski, who was the pizza boy in Home Alone. Oh nice. wow! You have got to see this character in this movie. Amazing! And the whole cast is amazing in this yeah. film. Tony Leach, Timothy Muscatel, everybody. But I look forward to getting this out. I would love to talk with you guys about this down the road. Okay. And be very I fun. appreciate, really, the time that you guys really have given me.
1: coming on. And you know, AJ Zyla here says, we want more spit. So uh, I, You're going to get more spit. We'll yeah, give you a, we're going to we give need. you a
0: big mouthful of spit. Don't worry. <laughs> but. Things take time in the indie world. Things take time. But we'll get it out there. Yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess during this time, I,
1: giving you more spit does take on a different meaning, but it yeah. does. Yes, it
0: does. <laughs> <laughs> well, this will be very fun. Oh, thank yeah. you, thank you, Neil. Yeah, thank thank you, you, Troy. I appreciate it. Yeah. Please well, tell and- Trista, Trista that we missed her, but you know, yeah, she we was here her in, in presence. And, yeah, uh, she
1: had uh, some uh, internet problems. She was uh, texting me before the show, so. But we'll get her next time, and we'll have to get a new tea because we have Treacherous, Trista, Terrible Troy, and we'll have to think of something for Terry.
0: Well, how about Tombstone Terry? Tombstone With the grave. Oh, right. I like
2: that. All right. That works. The grave, yep. Tombstone.
0: Right. Yeah, uh, it all works. It all comes together. I don't know if that's just for today or if I can call myself that, but, you know, <laughs> I thought that's maybe
1: appropriate. Yeah, we we, we won't like take that. ownership of it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: thank you guys thank you thank so much
2: you. yeah thank you we really appreciate right. it you take guys care. take care i'll see take you care. i'll see you on social media yep sounds good
1: ciao bye bye hi this is mark sheffler jr from last house on the left and you're listening to without your head all right we might uh troy do you have anything you want to talk about before we go um any movie uh so, uh, so this uh, actually tonight, Halloween Kills uh, was released. Um, I haven't heard. I'm not. I'm avoiding. I'm avoiding all the uh, all the, the any any talk about it because I I like to see it and see what people think about it. I was really looking forward to the last Halloween and I saw it. and I was not a fan. Same here. And the ads for this, this trailers for this looks really cool. But uh, I'm sure hopefully it'll, it'll probably let me down, but uh, I'm going to still go see it. Cause I go see pretty much every movie that comes up.
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm probably going to be just the opposite. Cause my expectations are really low. So whenever I do end up seeing it, which it may be a while, mm-hmm. um, maybe it'll be better than I think.
1: We'll find out. Yeah, I will say this. Uh, there will be a dinner and a movie about the new uh, Halloween
2: Oh, excellent. Uh, I love Four years.
1: To that. Last one was four years ago. And uh, we did uh, two new ones. They're up on right here on this YouTube channel. So you subscribe and hit the little bell icon. So that bell icon, it'll get you notifications every time that we're all here going live. It'll also notify you every time there's a new video.
2: So you can check Which out. Which is good because you kind of sneak them in every now and then. That'll yeah, of course. You expect it.
1: You can check out um, we did dinner and a movie on Lamb and we did a dinner and a movie on
2: Malignant. Both of them very good. I watched them both.
1: Um AJ Zyle wants to know her thoughts on the new Chucky series. I haven't watched it, but I've seen a lot of people really like it. So I'm, I'm gonna try to check this out. Maybe we'll talk about it next week.
2: Yeah, I'll do the same then.
1: I like think we don't we've never had a lot of uh, child's play guests on the show. It's probably well, be that's hard true. to get out, maybe we'll try to uh, get some on the show.
2: Yeah, you never know. That would be a good time. Yeah.
1: Maybe we can revisit some of the older ones too and you know talk yeah. to some of the folks. It yeah, looks cool though. Awesome. It's, it's a continuation of the of the uh it's weird because they had the movies and then they have that remake, which I believe they're doing a sequel to that remake, but the series is a continuation of, of the original film. So um the kid is playing himself again where he's he's still as an adult uh hunting down Chucky. Which okay, I nice. like. I'm looking oh, forward that to that. Sounds good. And Day of the Dead show starts tomorrow. Uh, he says, "Yawn." I actually saw a couple people mention it. it wasn't. They said it wasn't very good, but I expect it's probably not. But
2: yeah, I'll we'll have to see on that one. No.
1: I love zombies, but the thing is, at this point in time, it, you have to do something really original with zombies.
2: Yeah, and it's tough, especially if it's a series, and. I think that'll be difficult. The
1: thing is, like the Romero stuff, totally lends into to a series, but then the then you just everyone's going to compare it to The Walking Dead, where really The Walking Dead they just kind of like let's take the Romero zombies and make it into a, 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 a long, <laughs> ongoing story. Yep. So it's a weird. It's a, just a weird thing there. I think people will compare it to The Walking Dead, even though it's like predates The Walking Dead.
2: That's yeah. That's kind of what happens with certain things. It was that was always like uh, what really made me angry about the witcher because they were going to do an Elric series. Of right, Elric and like, be, yeah, and It's like, well, that's really similar to the witcher. And it's like, well, yeah, it's because the witcher ripped off all the of Moorcock stuff from, you know, 25 years before it. So, yeah.
1: And I think the walking dead's really burnt the audience out on a, on like a, a- an ongoing uh, zombie series.
2: It probably will. Yeah,
1: it's really burned me out. I mean, I, I'm a fan. I was a fan of The Walking Dead. Even past a lot of the seasons, people stop liking. But I got to say, this last season, it's really just dragging on. And, really. And then they've got all the spinoffs. They've like two uh, spinoffs on, and then they've got like oh yeah coming, and then they've got the movie. And it seems like the wrong time to like. It's like the <laughs> least amount of interest in The Walking Dead, and it's like, and they just want to keep putting more of it out.
2: Just crank it, yeah. I think like um, the zombie series. Well, you know, uh, Game of Thrones. You know, they had their own zombies, and then there's the the Korean show Kingdom, which uh, they've got their own kind of unique take on zombies. Yeah, I
1: think you have to you have to do something new. Yeah, you can't just kind of do the same old like. uh, I like all that stuff, but it's just like it's so. It's well, not unique
2: anymore.
1: Yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. I, I I saw um, which is really cool, they're doing the thrills and chills at AMC every Wednesday and Thursday. And the one I went the first one I went to see it was the remake of Dawn of the Dead. And um I never liked the movie as when it first came out. Um it was enjo- I watch it again, it's enjoyable. But I think it's it's just a very it's just like a typical zombie movie. There's nothing really unique about it.
2: I I still like when you get the giant sea of zombies at the end, like just seems so ridiculous to me.
1: Yeah. There's just, there's some fun zombie kills and I guess the baby's unique, but I don't know. There's a zombie baby and dead alive. Yeah. But it was fun. I'll say it was, uh, I had more fun watching it in the big screen than, than I remember watching it originally, but I still don't get the uh, love of it. And I think, uh, watching it again you know i kind of forgot about it trying to be the first time i watch it i'm comparing it to original dawn which i think is the best zombie movie ever made and so then it was like a big let it it besides being in a mall and being zombies there's really no connection to the, the original dawn of the dead agreed there's not really any social commentary or i don't know i don't really see much connection It could have been said that movie could have been said anywhere. There was, they just happened to be in a mall. Oh yeah, like no, there's no real
2: story behind the mall in it. No, that's just kind of where they all kind of seek shelter, you know.
1: And AJ posted this on the Facebook group: um, "Slumber Party Massacre" movie Saturday night on Sci-Fi. Oh wow. All right, there's there's so many because there's the new VHS, which kind of popped up out of nowhere. VHS,
2: I enjoyed it. I gotta say,
1: yeah, we might be having some uh, interviews for it coming up. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, I haven't watched it. I need to watch it. That's cool. I think you'll like it.
2: It's because it's. I think the other one, some of them were a little too short and they jumped around too much. This one, it seems like three or four. Little bit longer stories.
1: Okay, I will say there are some of those ones, like the ABCs of Death. I think that I think the stories are too short.
2: Yeah, sometimes you get that. You know, sometimes they fit just right, and then other times you, you know, I think just trying to jumble too many in there, you get some that just kind of feel like filler, and then others you just. Want to be a little bit longer,
1: so yeah. There was the uh, Slumber Party Massacre, and then um, there's also um, there was a new Sleepaway Camp.
2: Oh wow! All right, so October still still looking fun here. This mm-hmm. is good.
1: So um, a friend of ours um, on in the group, uh, they've got their zombie movie uh, plot: Plaga Zombies, American Invasion. Ooh. And uh, that's getting a um, October sixteenth. Uh, re- I think it's just playing at one theater, maybe I don't know. But go to a uh, plagueazombie.com. We're probably going to have the cast and crew on the show at some point. Nice. World premiere is this Saturday. Um, I this is just uh, nothing gets these people, but I, you got to uh, you got to put where these things are. Oh, it's, uh, it's actually shown in new Bedford. Oh, no way. Yeah. Oh, wow. At the St. Martin's Episcopal church.
2: <laughs>
1: what a place to watch a horror movie.
2: I like it. I dig it. That's all right.
1: The four o'clock uh, is sold out, but you can see the second showing at seven o'clock this Saturday in uh, in new Bedford, you can still get tickets. Wow. Looks cool. Here I'll show you the poster. Plague of Zombies American Invasion. Oh, I it's like the poster, poster
0: yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I I, I might have I'm sorry guys. Uh I, I got the date wrong because we were gonna set up an interview, but I didn't realize it was like this weekend. So Yeah. And I'll, I'll be away tomorrow, but um, but maybe um, if they get like a DVD release, we can do it before the DVD release or something. Yeah. Plague of Zombies America American Invasion. So, uh, thanks guys for sending that in. And this weekend is is the deadline to send in the new uh, to send in your submissions for Severed Limbs. Seven more days till Halloween.
2: Nice. All right, I'm looking forward to that. And that'll be a good time.
1: Yeah, I got a few new ones uh, just today, which I'll have to. I'll, I'll be adding up. Um, but I think we're uh, around twenty.
2: Oh, nice!
1: So we got a couple more today. So that it'll be a couple more, and so uh, I assume probably twenty four, twenty five by the. T- well, I guess that'll make twenty four now. Mm-hmm. So we're probably about twenty six or so before uh, before it happens. I think excellent. We got uh, I'll just run through them quick. A Day in the Life of a Serial Killer by Zach Myers. A Drop of Blood by Andrew Buckner. Dying to Laugh by Nicholas Hatch. Actually, best just go and join the Facebook group and you can see all the films. There's 26 is a lot to me.
2: That's a lot of them.
1: Black Vulture, Rats, (laughs) Fear of the Woods, which is awesome, and uh darling pet monkey which is really cool too a lot of a lot of really cool stuff there's a few long ones few short ones uh transfer it which i love i I don't want to say favorites or anything but transfer it is this time traveling um nazi uh horror film oh wow I i give it a big thumbs up i would i say check
2: it out i'll do it all right so halloween's coming up Halloween's coming. My pumpkin head shirt. Nice. I just saw on um, oh on uh, sideshow toys that they have an awesome pumpkin head statue. It's oh beautiful. really. I love pumpkin. Twelve hundred bucks, but it's Dang. it's gorgeous. It's just really really cool i think it's like one third scale so it's probably like you know two feet tall it's really really cool Damn,
1: that sounds pretty sweet
2: yeah go to sideshow check it out
1: yeah awesome so i'll be going to a 12 hour marathon on halloween and before that uh leave me you and uh i don't know who else is going um and we're gonna take leather face. We're gonna see um, what is it, Invisible Man, and or is it Dracula it's, and Frankenstein?
2: No, it's a it's a double feature of um, of Claude Rain. So oh, nice with, uh, the Invisible Man and the Wolf Man.
1: Oh, sweet, two of my favorites.
2: Yep, yep. And I don't know if Brian's ever seen either one. So really,
1: yep. invisible. Uh Wolfman's one of my favorites. And I think Invisible Man is the most underrated of the I mean people like it, but to me it's the most underrated of the um Universal Monster
2: movies. Oh yeah. Yep. I mean Reigns is just so awesome in that movie, just cause like they just kind of let him go crazy, which I don't think in any other movie, like Claude Reigns, he's always pretty subdued in most of his roles. You know, like as the dad in the Wolfman, he's He's very British, very like
1: over the top, invisible man. I, I mean, that's kind of the start, I think, of the horror comedy, because you can almost call it a horror comedy.
2: It definitely is. You're right. You're right. And you you've got that. Uh, I can't remember the old lady's name, but who is in Bride of Frankenstein. And then she's the the pub owner there. Of And she jumps up in. Uh, oh, yeah, Nice.
1: That's one of my favorites of the Slasher Man designs.
2: Yep, yeah, that one's beautiful. Even the moon's afraid of me. Look at it. It's terrifying. Come on, <laughs> Rains, He's the man.
1: By the way, if you're listening to the podcast, uh, I just showed uh, the Invisible Man Slasher Man 8-bit uh, retro gaming design. You get that at tpublic.com slash user slash without your head. Do it. Boom i got to get those up on the website, I guess, too.
2: Yeah, those things are awesome. I love them.
1: Yeah, fun making them. Uh, Oh, by the way, amazing new logo uh, that uh, Troy did the art for, and I did the coloring for, for Severed Limb 7.
2: Yep, that one I love the look of. Got to get me a shirt of that one.
1: Yeah, I should order them, actually, so we can get them hopefully in time before. But we can wear it any time. Yeah, yep. But here's that one. This is the uh, Severed Limbs, Seven More Days to Halloween. You got uh, Troy as the pumpkin head, me as uh, the skeleton man, which is perfect because I'll be wearing that. And then uh, Trista as the witch, which I didn't think about at the time, but it's, you know, it's kind of hard, I guess, to to make them like look like us because they all have full masks on.
2: Yeah, I because I was thinking I could have them us with the masks above our heads, but then it wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't be able to be carrying the bags or anything.
1: Yeah, I think it looks cute. I yeah. love it. We've got plenty with our faces. So.
2: That's true. You know us. And I can always yeah. do another one with us. Exactly. Thumbs up for me. Oh, right. excellent. Me too. Good coloring job. Thank you. Yeah. Uh
1: by the way, I do apologize to AJ when he was down in the Cape. We didn't get a chance to meet him. But uh no excuse, we should have done it. But uh, yeah. we'll at some point, I know uh, Craig Lindbergh's, uh currently in somewhere in Massachusetts until December. He must be working on a movie.
2: Oh, did he go back? Is he in P Town? no, I think he's in thing? Boston,
1: near Boston. Oh, nice. Yeah, we'll, we'll do something. Last week, the thrills and chills. It's cool if you have the. And I guess it's not on at all AMC's because some of the AMC's I saw that I go to up in Boston don't have it. But the one in 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 Boston Commons does and um, okay. last week we went. It was the new Halloween, which not not Halloween Kills, but the previous Halloween. And I just thought like it's like so new, like I still have memory of seeing it in the theater. So it was. A, I'll be honest, a little bit of a letdown that that was the mm-hmm. movie. Even if it's a movie I'm not big on, if I hadn't seen it for a while, it's kind of cool. Yeah. Yep. I don't know what the, I know. Train to Busan was one, but I don't know what this last week was. I saw the one next week as a, like a almost a three hour movie, so I don't know what or the twenty ninth. So, got to be some but long movie. I remember looking up the different movies. It could be. I'm going to guess it's The
2: Shining. The Shining, okay. I'm going to go with. um
1: I don't think the, the, the Shining. Is quite that long. The Wailing. That was the one that was almost the exact time. So
2: that that one might be it. And, and if it is, I think you're in for a treat because you haven't seen it. I really enjoyed it. I think you'll do. I keep
1: it. thinking the Shrek because I think it's mainstream. But I, I mean, the Train of Asans not really mainstream movies, is so
2: right. Only the ones you go see. The Friday ones. The Wednesday yeah, yeah. ones are a little wackier, I think.
1: Supposedly, the the rumor is that they're gonna they're gonna do like one that's like a new release before it releases. That so would be I'm tremendous. Tomorrow's is
2: Antlers. Oh, that would be so good. Then I'll be a little envious.
1: Yeah. I was. I'm, that's why I was also curious if Wednesday's was uh, Halloween Kills. Like, maybe they put it out a week before. I mean, a day before. But I don't know. I know some people think it's going to be stream five, but that doesn't come out till like, next February or something. So it's like they're not going to put
2: something out. Like, it's probably, you know, they're still making the movie, you know? Yeah,
1: that one's too. And that's, like, a real big. Not that Halloween yeah. Kills wouldn't be either, but. But currently, I don't see Antlers playing anywhere. But I know it's still a few weeks away. But it's supposed to come out the 29th. But it's not listed anywhere. Hmm. It kind of sucked. I was going to go Wednesday. And I didn't. But uh, so I was looking. I assume, you know, we have a couple of theaters that show old movies. So they're going to show horror movies all October. Uh, So I looked up the Brattle. And the Brattle, it was showing uh, this old Aubrey Hepburn movie, which is fine. But I was like. Come on, guys. You got to show a horror movies for October. Oh,
2: yeah. If they give it like, you know, throw in some some old Hitchcock flicks or yeah, something. Yeah,
1: there's like a plethora of movies. Yeah. The old uh, Universe Monster movie. A oh, yeah. Movie, anything. Something stupid like The Blob. Anything, you know, it could be. the It's limitless.
2: Oh, yeah. One of like the crazy, you know, Japanese monster movies. Throw like a Godzilla up there.
1: Yeah. So there's not nice, kind of theatrically released new horror movies this month, but you get you've got Antlers, um, Halloween Kills, um, but there's t- so much stuff streaming. It's hard to keep oh, up. Yeah. With. But we should yep. be better. Every time I look,
2: TV. I think uh, I think they've added even more stuff.
1: Yeah, so that's very exciting. Um, very exciting too. A Suspiria, AJ. Suggests, that's AJ's guest. Suspiria. Oh, that's okay. Nice. Yeah, I can see it being that. Could be either oh, one be on the original or the remake. Yep. That's a remake I actually think is really good.
2: I agree. I, I think uh I love Tilda in that, but I always love Tilda. She's great.
1: Attack of a Killer Tomatoes is a classic. I agree.
2: Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but it's not three hours long, is it? I
1: hope not. <laughs> I like it, but I don't think I need a three-hour cut.
2: <laughs> no,
1: no. i they're putting out the director's cut of Rocky Four. Maybe there'll be a director's cut of Killer Tomatoes of three hours.
2: Oh, hour yeah, that would be different. I don't
1: know. We'll find out. Right, anything else there? My brother, my pal, my amigo, my compadre?
2: Not that I can think of, boss. I think um, we had a fun show. I've enjoyed it. We
1: did. It was very good. I spit on your grave. Three disc, four uh, K, ultra high def remaster coming out on the twenty sixth.
2: That's a lot of like extra gizmos and things.
1: Limited that. edition slipcover. It's got all kinds of stuff. The growing up, I spit on your grave. Blu rays on there. Uh, you can watch that documentary currently on Tubi. But uh, nice. if you want like a, a nice cut without an ad. Uh, um, we've been posting some new trailers on the Without Your Head uh, YouTube here, too. So you can watch um, the new trailer for um, Antlers is on here, Scream 5. And I just put up uh, this morning Black Phone with uh, Ethan Hawke, which this one looks really cool, too. Oh, nice. New horror movie. Yeah, They've been sending us uh, some horror trailers. By the way, if you send me a horror trailer, i on the up uh, on the Without Your Head YouTube. It doesn't have to be a big big movie. It can be, you know, uh, independent film. That's cool. Yep. So do awesome. that, uh, just email without your head at gmail.com. All right. Uh, also check out Sam Haynes. He's got a new uh, former music of the month here. He's got a new CD out, the haunted house party. Oh, very, very good. cool. Check that out. And um, big thanks to uh two minute cage. Who does our theme song. And Kim Trails and the Tonk Wave, who does a the new theme for the new dinner in the movie, Neil and Andy. I
2: love that song. I thought that was yeah,
1: awesome. It's very fun. Yep. Very good. And also did a shirt for them, which is cause that one really big, which made me very happy.
2: Excellent.
1: All right, Troy.
2: Well, there's all good things happening. This is this is what I like to hear.
1: I agree. What shirt do you have on tonight?
2: I I've got the old school, oh terrible Troy that's very the good old one. school terrible Troy
1: yeah I was thinking I'm gonna start getting some of the old shirts back up on the on the on the sale site I like that one I like these uh, I like how their shirt you know used to be uh, back in the day you'd have to buy all your shirts and you'd have mountains of shirts around and you didn't know like sometimes I'd go to convention. You sell a lot of five and six X's. So then I wouldn't get smalls. And the next one you sell all smalls and mediums. And all. I have five and six X's (laughs) and it's like, ah shit. Then I got to bring them around and set them out. But nowadays it's easy for me. It's easy for everybody else. You can go to the site and you say, well, I don't want a black one. I want a red one. I want a blue one. I want an orange one. I'm pink one, pick whatever you want, any size you want, different types. I know Dave van, he gets, got the ultra soft. He's like, uh, I'm a fancy lad. I don't want the, the yeah. old hard, uh, you know, uh, cotton. I want the fancy silk, s- like silk. It's not Ooh. super soft. And so the point is, you can get whatever you want. You get stickers, buttons, masks. You get a pillow. Bam. Get it all. Yeah. And it ships to you. They make it. They send it to you. Exactly. Exactly, AJ. He says, I should just zoom in next time. Yeah, next week. Well, I uh, get AJ on the show. I don't think he's ever Zoomed in with us.
2: No, I've I've always wanted him to. I, yeah. I haven't had the pleasure.
1: Yeah, we'll start opening up the Zooms, because I think uh, after the interviews, we'll start uh, doing this where we come and talk about stuff again, and then uh, we'll take some Zoom calls.
2: That sounds good to me.
1: All right. So until next week, this is Nasty Neil.
2: This is Terrible Troy. And this is without your head. <laughs> 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 From ancient terrors
0: to the search for modern day conspiracies, the tomb of Nick Cage is the new sound in horror
2: rock. Uncover the mystery of old world horror for the new world order on iTunes, Amazon, and more. Ripley, we should have listened. The Tomb of Nick Cage. They come at night! Roughly, They come at night! Roughly, They come at night! Roughly, They come at night! Roughly! Find out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The Tomb of Nick Cage. They come at night!